White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. Ecknerwall23 is the way you follow me on Twitter, and Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, and the show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. So subscribe and hit the notifications bell there on our YouTube channel. Without further ado, here is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great tonight, Herbie. It's episode 161 today. It's a mailbag Monday. Oh, they grew up so fast. 161 already. Uh, we're both wearing our socks hats today. Very professional of us. Very, very, very journalistic of us. We're both wearing our socks caps tonight. Uh, but I wanted to start the show off tonight by, uh, or today, uh, by talking about the passing of Henry Aaron, who uh, the baseball community lost on Friday. Hank Aaron passes away at the age of 86. Um, just the numbers on Hank Aaron are absurd, okay? You guys know that, but how absurd, I'm going to tell you. you. You you could easily make the case, and I don't know why you don't hear this more often for the case of Hank Aaron being the greatest player of all time. You know, I know Willie Mays has talked about because of the position he played center field, but listen to this for Hank Aaron. A 25-time All-Star from 1955 to 1975. Uh, he was a World Series champion, National League MVP in 1957. He won three Gold Glove Awards, two batting crowns, uh, the four-time home run leader for the National League, and the four-time RBI leader. And, you know, it's a funny thing, you know, because his legacy is largely tied up into breaking Babe Ruth's home run record of, of 715 home runs, you know, passing the Babe at 714. Um, you know, it, when you, when you start to, to chase ghosts in baseball, like we have this reverence for, for, for stats in baseball because the game has been around for so long. And that's one of the things that I love about baseball is that you can, you know, compare a guy to right now to anyone in the past, like, you know, Tim Anderson, you know, breaking the record for most hits in his, in his first playoff series. Like that's something that's amazing because it just happened in 2020. And you think about all the years of professional baseball, like it's, it's never happened before. So we, we love comparing players, um, you know, but just as a little snapshot of how good Henry Aaron was. So 1961, we know Roger Maris, uh, breaking Babe Ruth's single-season home run record, you know, hitting 61 home runs that year. Um, in 1961, over in the National League, Hank Aaron was a 10-win player in the National League. <laughs> 10! <laughs> and you never hear about that season, right? No, uh, so, you know, he sits at 713 home runs going into the 1973 offseason, right? And, you know, the stuff that you don't hear, you know, he's confined to his own home because of the unrelenting media pressure, uh, the death threats from racists who don't want him to break Babe Ruth's record. And it was said about Henry Aaron that he received more mail 
than anyone in the world. Uh, I heard on Ken Burns Baseball, 3,000 letters a day, they said. And I'm guessing uh, you know, a, a very large chunk of those letters not positive. Uh, for some very nasty uh, things, you know, that Hank Aaron received. And it's such an American thing to do to build someone up and tear them down, you know, in the process. Like I said, he was a 25-time All-Star. So for like a good 20 years, Henry Aaron was at the top of the game and, and you know, largely beloved, you would think, uh, by, by fans everywhere across the, across the country, you know. Um, but then he gets close to catching the ghost in Babe Ruth and all of a sudden uh, it, it's different for him, okay? So, you know, they try to do their best to bring down Hank Aaron, but it didn't work, obviously, because he ends up, you know, going way past Babe Ruth and hitting the 755 home runs in his career. But, you know, I, I said on Twitter that, you know, you give Hank Aaron a lot of credit for, you know, keeping it inside or just being a gentleman when he could have just been easily just been a jerk or openly and outwardly resentful. But, you know, that doesn't mean that inside the fire wasn't burning for him. And I just I couldn't imagine what it was like just not only just in that one off season where he's about to approach Babe Ruth's record and he's got to sit on it for the whole offseason you know before he even starts to you know the next season trying to break the record but then you know what what it's like at the, the moment it happens because you know with that 715th home run it, it's one of the things that's burned in my baseball brain like there's a lot of things that I think of when I think of baseball I think of Paul Konerko's grand slam in game two of the world series maybe Juan Uribe's catch in the clincher you know, as a White Sox fan I'm biased in that regard you know you think of Kirk Gibson's home run in 88 pumping his fist as he's rounding the bases. But then you think of Hank Aaron in that moment where he's rounding second base and he, he he's he's run up on by those those two white fans. You know, and as a kid you watch that and you're like, oh man, that's just pretty cool. You know, this you know, those guys they just wanted to be in on the moment and, you know, they breached security. But then looking back on it now and what you know now about Hank Aaron, it's just it's a it's a really scary moment you know in, in retrospect but thankfully obviously it ends up being one of the great moments in American sports history Vince Scully captures it perfectly when he says uh you know a, a black man is receiving a standing ovation here in the deep south after he breaks Babe Ruth's record but you know it just when I think of Hank Aaron you know I, I'll think of him as just a great ambassador for the game of baseball always around whenever they would do a, a big ceremony for baseball all-star game MVP award uh, celebrations but anything big that was baseball Hank Aaron was always a part of it he was a, a great ambassador and a great gentleman very stately he was very presidential with the way I saw Hank Aaron like I feel like if Hank Aaron were in the room I'd like you know stand up straight and tuck my shirt in a little bit <laughs> you know what I mean so but it's just you know he's he's gonna be missed and and, and the one this fine one of his final acts was going to get the COVID-19 vaccine and, and he chose to do it and get the vaccine at Morehouse School of Medicine where he made a, I think it was a $3 million gift uh, to, to Morehouse in the last five years. So so he's not only being active in the community, but he's leading by example up until his last days, man. And he just, he's someone that's going to be missed by, by the baseball world. And just, you know, if you don't, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the younger people may not care, but he's an important dude, man, and uh, he's going to be missed. Yeah, definitely. I didn't really get to meet him. The only time I did was uh, there was a presentation in Chicago, like a black tie affair where they're giving out awards. I think it was a uh, civil rights game um, tie in. So before the game, they have a luncheon and Kenny Williams is there. Uh, Michael Wilbon's there. Frank Thomas is there. 
uh, Rachel Robinson, the widow of Jackie Robinson's there. Um, and Hank Aaron's there. And so the person I was with wanted to have some pictures with these people. Uh, Addison Reed from the White Sox was there as a representative of the current team. And so they go around and have pictures of all these people, Frank Thomas, Michael Wilbon. And then we're trying to get Hank Aaron to take a picture. And he's like, hey, uh, young man, uh, I just got to go to the bathroom real quick. Can I do that first? And then I'll get back to you. It's like, oh, yes, Mr. Aaron, no problem. Uh, only problem, we didn't see Hank anymore. Uh, but that was fine. You know, the man at oh, the bathroom. Oh, oh man. about you. What a not legend. about your autograph. What a legend. He did the Irish goodbye. Oh, man, he's a Hall of Famer in my book easily. First ballot. Hey, I mean, he probably really did have to go to the bathroom. The <laughs> man was up in age at that time. And, he, and, you know, probably also didn't want to think about some guy just asking for his autograph. He wasn't, you know, uh, disrespectful he wasn't a jerk he was just very stately and like you said i didn't take that as a slight at all i was like hey man i got to talk to hey karen it's all good i'm all good for that and i'm looking at his stats and 1971 was a weird year he had his best offensive year when he was 38 years old like by far he dominated that year he finished third in the nl mvp voting going to take a guess who number one was. I mean, I don't think you can. You know this guy. He's a Hall of Famer. I think we saw him make the Hall of Fame. Oh, we saw him make the Hall of Fame. 1973, you said? 1971 NL MVP. Okay, 71. Uh, Joe Torre? Joe Torre, yeah. Hey. Did you see him go in? I never, yeah, we did. That's the only reason why I would have got that because, because you said that that we saw him go in, you know, so that's, we actually left during Joe Torrey's speech because we knew a lot of people, we, we drove to Cooperstown, like we drove there and it was like a 14 hour drive or what it is. And we all had to be back at work. I think on mon- that Monday, this after the, the uh, induction ceremony on Sunday, really, it was a great class in 2014, right? We saw a big Frank, we saw Glavin, Maddox, you know, it was, it was a great class. Your guy, Tony LaRussa, Bobby, Bobby Cox. Yeah. You were there for Tony. Obviously, but <laughs> um, but Joe Torre was the last guy, and we were like, okay, all these Yankee contingent here, all the Yankee contingent, they're all here. To, they're going to stick around for Tony for for Joe Torre. So we thought that would be a good time to to pack up our little chairs and get out of there and get back on the highway uh, and get back to Chicago. So Joe Torre, forever, thank you for for letting us get a a few minute head start on those crowds there in Cooperstown. But yeah, man, that's the only reason I would have got that because you gave me the clue. Yeah, like Joe Torre had a good year, but looking back. Like Joe Torrey didn't come close to what Henry Aaron did that year. Joe Torrey was 363, 421, 555. Excellent. Awesome year. Henry Aaron, 327, 410, and 669 slugging. He led the league in slugging and on base percentage as a 38 year old. Like consistently, he was great. Like he didn't make the Oscar team his rookie year or his last year, but all the rest of them, every single other year. He made the all-star game like that's dominance for a long, long time in his career. And weirdly enough, that year he did not lead that the year he hit the most home runs in his career, 47 in a season. He did not win the home run title. It was won by Pop Stargell, who was second place in that 71 MVP. Yeah, I guess I don't know why you don't hear enough about 
Henry Aaron, obviously, you know, being the home run king for many years. But, you know, there were so many great players in the National League at that time. Ernie Banks, Willie Mays, you mentioned Pop Stargell. So it was just it was really just, you know, you were you were it was crowded there with stars in the National League. What a time it would have been uh, to go to Wrigley Field and see Hank Aaron come into play. You know what I mean? Like it was just it would have been a great time to to watch the game. But we didn't get to watch him then. But we uh, like to pay our respects now. And uh, oddly enough, you mentioned his rookie year. He was. uh, I believe the last player to be called up from the Negro leagues. So yes. you talk about the, you know, the, the, the centennial in 2020 and how, how sort of apropos that, you know, uh, you know, he were celebrating him as the final guy who get, getting the call up from, uh, from the Negro leagues. And just to put a cap on it, um, a career war of uh, over 143. Um, Henry Aaron was uh, was more than just a number, uh, but that's still a pretty good one at that. But yeah, he will definitely be missed, and you know, it just uh, it just really really profound stuff. If you go back and listen uh, to, to the the adversity that he, that he dealt with with racism in this country, uh, as he sort of uh, as he climbed baseball's mountaintop and he was trying to chase those ghosts like Babe Ruth, and just you know, I, I don't we'll never know. Because he, you know, kept it all inside, or you know, he, he just he wasn't very open with how it affected him, um, you know. But a lot of people will will just to say, oh yeah, it didn't really affect him that much, and salute it to the cap. But obviously, we know that couldn't possibly be the case. We'll we'll never know the stress, the anxiety, you know, the rage that that may have been inside of him, and you know, to his credit, he still turned spun it all around back. And was a great ambassador to the game of baseball. So uh, Henry Aaron passing away uh, at the age of 86 this week. Uh, We'll be back and we'll open up the mailbag after a quick timeout. And this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Yep, Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. And now the new and improved Built Bar is somehow, someway even more delicious-er. We got our new drop of Built Bar product here this week, and uh, deliciousness. Uh, I finally tried the carrot cake, one of the new flavors we've been talking about. It's the goods, but let me tell you what I did, Herbie. I went and I ordered myself on Friday after payday. I, I, I went out of my own pocket. I probably could have lobbied here on the podcast for, for months and, and, tried and gotten a free box out of it, but I went out of my own pocket. I ordered myself the 18-pack of coconut that's my new favorite flavor that's my ride or die it's all coconut all the time uh it's very comparable to you know one of the top favorite candy bars out there in the market and it's packed with protein low carb low sugar and always delicious they're great if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat i know you recently uh you got your built bar drop after you've been stealing some of mine <laughs> for the past week or so uh what flavors are you, are you uh, digging on particularly herb i've been enjoying the caramel brownie today i in between meals like the game was still going on i felt a little hunger going on so i had to get some of the peanut butter which you know chocolate and peanut butter how much better can you get delicious and like you i tried the uh, carrot cake and also very good and with the uh chocolate peanut butter one 180 calories where i'm you know watching my calories this doesn't really drive it up that much and i am diabetic too so the sugars are low it's it's good for me it's a nice uh bar it's a nice way to get from lunch to dinner especially if you're a guy that's coming down on calories a lot and you need to get a nice bridge from lunch to dinner yeah man i've been trying at work man that's why i've kept them at work in my in my desk drawer and i finally found my favorite flavor in the coconut 
but it's been it's been doing a great job. You know, we have those vending machines at work where you can get one of those 400 calorie, uh, you know, snacks up there. <laughs> you know, but why do that when you can just have a built bar and it'll fill you up because it's packed with protein. And right now, you can do what I did: go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On. That's right, I used our own promo code Locked On. And you can be like me and get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. And Locked On White Sox is also brought to you today by our friends at betonline.ag. The big game's coming up in just two more Sundays. And we our matchup is already set. We know who it's going to be. It's going to be Kansas City and Tampa Bay. And if you're going to be making any uh, any wagers, you know, there's the, the tons of fun stuff going on there for the big game. There's only one place that you want to do it at and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. You sign up today and get a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON, and that'll get you a 50% welcome bonus. Well, today was a big day here for, uh, you know, I, I got my uh, Kansas City. We talked about them all week long. You know, even with Mahomes being uh, in doubt, we talked about them and how I said, man, they are only three-point favorites in this ballgame. I'm going to pound that, and that's what I did. Uh, I, I made a wager on that, and it, it was very fruitful for me this weekend. What about you, Herb? What kind of bets did you place this weekend on betonline.ag? Well, this weekend, I thought the Packers would do uh, a good job of winning this game versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But no, I put a little bit money down at betonline.ag. I laid the three in, the three points on the Packers and expecting them to easily cover that, which they didn't, of course. But betonline.ag makes it very simple, very easy to make your bets in. It was quick and easy and painless, except for the Packers losing. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You don't want to be watching the big game without something, uh, you know, without some money on the action there. So go to betonline.ag. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN and get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Very excited about that, the new venture from the Locked On Podcast Network. They're going to be uh, having some uh, intercom people in the fold, so I would not be surprised uh, You know, after a White Sox clincher of the World Series if they have either myself or Herb on that uh, Locked On Today. So be sure you subscribe right now so you don't miss it. All right. All right, Herb Lawrence, Chris Tannehill, back with you on Locked On White Sox. Should we open the bag, Herbie? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Oh, I love email, too. We love your emails here on Locked on White Sox. How can the Locked on White Sox listeners get a hold of us for Mailbag Monday or talk to us Tuesday or What Up Wednesday or Fun Friday as we did last week? Send your emails to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Questions, comments, whatever you want to write us, we'll read them. Not all of them make it to our shows. So without further ado, again, Chris Tannehill, what is our first email? First one in the mailbag here coming in from our guy Jay. He says, as always, great work on the Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you. Um, heard you guys discussing if the Sox would ever sign someone, anyone, to a nine-figure deal. 
Lucas Giolito, five years, $100 million. If he remains healthy and continues on an upward trajectory, I think that ends up being a bargain. It'll also never happen under Jerry's reign. I thought of this prior to his deal for 2021 being announced. Not sure where a deal like this falls on a reasonable to ludicrous scale. Your thoughts. Be well, gentlemen. That's from Jay. So, Herb, what do you think about that? First of all, the concept of giving uh, Lucas Giolito an extension, and what do you think, uh, two-tiered question, what do you think about five years, 100 mil, though? Five years, 100 mil sounds low, very low. Um, 20 mil per, yeah, very low for a top-line front starter. Um, Hey, if he accepts it, awesome. Really, really great. And also, the White Sox are doing him a favor where they could just let his years run out where he wouldn't make an average annual value of $20 million in his last year's before a free agency. So in that regard, you're getting more money on the front end and maybe less on the last two years, which would be eating up this free agency year. Hmm. If I'm a pitcher, I'm always looking into a long-term deal. The one that John Danks signed was the smartest thing he's ever done because it gave him security uh, for the rest of his career for a thing like his shoulder going out and him not be able to pitch effectively anymore. And if I was Lucas, who's already out of high school, had a Tommy John surgery yep. and other little nicks, nicks and knacks uh, on his body, I would always think about maybe if I'm happy here. I mean, I'm a kid from a little a little money in my life, so I'm not going to be wanting for much. But also, I want to get market value. This long-term deal as a pitcher sounds pretty decent. So maybe go up a couple dollars on the 20 million per, maybe 22, 23 and he see where he goes. Um, Jerry is hard and fast on those four-year deals for pitchers, so uh, it's going to be real hard for Jerry to break that. But if anybody can do it, and if Lucas Giolito uh, shows, I guess, another year of dominance, but he'll be another year older, so maybe not five years to be a little too long for the, to go from. I would sign it, but I'm not going to tell Lucas what to do. Yeah, if I were, if I was him, I would sign it as well. That's that's I think that's a good deal, especially if if uh, him and his family are comfortable in Chicago. I, I guess the, it would be time and place for the offer. Like you know, if you're coming off a World Series victory, like you know, he may be more inclined to, to sign and stay. But you know, I think they're going to be a little trigger uh, weary. You know, uh, the, you know, with after the John Danks deal that you mentioned, what about Danks? You know, I I don't know if they're going to be doing that again. Um, that's. That's like one of the last things, you know, that that the, the last, you know, Reinsdorf White Sox stereotypes that have to fall. You need to sign a top tier free agent like what, you know, within the, you know, in a 20 year span. You haven't signed anyone since Albert Bell and you've got to give a pitcher a, a nice lengthy contract. And I think maybe they're a little uh, gun shy after the John Danks deal. But, yeah, we talk about it all the time. You're in your Lucas Giolito window. Because he's one of the only guys that d- didn't get broken off. You didn't sign. You didn't give him any paper here. And this is a guy that wasn't drafted by you. Wasn't really developed by you. You know, you can make the argument that maybe the White Sox had a hand in developing him. I, I don't think so. Um, but he doesn't have any loyalty to this organization. You know, so you know, I, I think he knows he's got. He's a smart guy. He's got one opportunity to earn the max amount of dollars and if I were him I'd hit the free agent market unless he really likes it here and he gets a, a fair uh you know market offer that not a team friendly thing like you know he may be able to get a little bit of a discount if you're Rick Hahn 
you know, because you have everything in place here. You have his former coach, Ethan Katz. You know, he's 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 the the top of, of your rotation guy. You know, he's he's got some gravitas. You know, you were able to keep James McCann for him though, so I wonder how much how much that's going to factor into it. But yeah, if I'm Lucas, I, I would take that deal because. Even though you said he's had the Tommy John surgery already way back when, just with pitchers, you just never know when that velocity drops or when you just you know you lose a season because you just don't really have a good year and you can't find it. You know, so I would take that deal. I, I don't think the White Sox are going to offer that deal. So, thank you, Jay. Uh, next one here from Dan in Georgia. Thoughts on trading Lucas Castillo rather than signing Trevor Bauer? He's a little younger than Bauer. If not as good, he's damn close, and I would assume much more likable thinking Cease, Vaughn, and another prospect might do it. Please don't try to throw my guy Magical in there in any scenario, you anti-Magical bastards. Hey, I resent that comment, anti-Magical. We love Slappy. We, oh, he's, we think he's going to hit 400, but ultimately not do anything for you. <laughs> that, thank you, Dan and Georgia. All right, Herb, what do you think about trading for Luis Castillo as opposed to signing Trevor Bauer? Um. I think uh, it's well known that my preference always a hundred percent is to acquire players by draft and or free agency. It's the least painful playing list way to do it. Money everybody has and draft capital is always good in baseball to draft a guy instead of having to trade other people you drafted for this person. So I would a hundred percent rather have, the player that is Trevor Bauer than Luis Castillo in that regard. But apples to apples, yeah, I think Luis Castillo is a better pitcher than and more consistent pitcher than Trevor Bauer has been in his career so far. Um, but I think it'll take a lot to pry him away from Cincinnati. Now, if he was on Pittsburgh, this shit would take like a half a fucking bag of donuts <laughs> to get Luis Castillo away from them because they're trading everybody away. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati a little bit more serious about their business. They're keeping their players, trying to improve, trying to win that central. They're not just trying to draft, as we said the other show, like draft players like Mookie Betts, and then when they get close to money being made, give them off their team. Same thing with um, Cleveland when they just did that with our guy Lindor. So I don't know. It'll take a lot to get him away from Cincinnati. Would I try? Yes, but – I don't know if if that deal that you're talking about, I don't, I don't think it has enough pain. Like we like Cease, but we don't like if he goes to uh, to Cincinnati for Luis Castillo. We're like upgrade, huge upgrade, amazing upgrade. Come on now, we would be like we would celebrate that. But I don't know if the Cincinnati Reds are all high on Dylan Cease or ready to get rid of the player. I don't even know what his contract status is. I think he's not a free agent until 2024. So just like Lucas Giolito has got a couple more years left uh, relatively cheaply too. So that deal probably wouldn't do it, but if they pull the trigger on and Cincinnati's down for it, I'm of course down for getting Luis Castillo. Tanny? Well, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be? But, you know, there's a couple of things to this. I, I think I recall Dylan Cease having his literally his worst outing of the season uh, in Cincinnati. I don't know if that does anything like for the scouts that were, you know, there or front office that, were, that was there that day, just one outing. But that does stick out to me when I, when I think about Dylan Cease and the Reds. You know, look, I you can say all you want about Theo Epstein and what he did for the Cubs and how, you know, you only got the one ring. 
you know, and you didn't go deep in the playoffs every single year like they thought he would and blah, blah, blah. But his philosophy generally was you draft the position players and you pay for pitching. They paid for John Lester, paid for John Lackey. John Lester worked out just awesome, swimmingly. They paid for you Darvish. Little rocky start there in the beginning of that contract, but then ended up being an absolute bargain. You pay for pitching, in my opinion, always because it's so tough to draft and develop pitching. And by the, you know, it takes years for them to to make an impact on your ball club. So that's why I'm always sign for a guy, like sign a guy to a contract, sign Trevor Bauer. And we could sit here and debate Castillo versus Bauer, like who's better, who's going to be better for the next five years of your organization. That's 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 a worthy debate right there. But. I don't like giving up, like you said, I don't like giving up bodies either. And something that James Fox pointed out uh, on Twitter today, our guy Foxy, um, you know, with all these trades, you mentioned that the the Yankees they trading for Tyone and Musgrove uh, being dealt away to the Padres. The one common thread here in these trades is, as James Fox mentioned, high upside, high ceiling teenagers. It's what the Cubs got for Darvish, basically lottery tickets. But for whatever reason, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they're not going to make an impact for like the next five years or so and you're really kicking the can down the road, but they're going for high-ceiling teenagers. And as we talked about with James Fox just a month ago, the Sox development in that regard, their pipeline in Venezuela and the Dominican is just not good. And you don't have a lot of those high-upside teenagers that you would need to make a deal like that. So that's why I don't think it's going to happen. You know, you've already parted with Dane Dunning. I, I don't think it's going to happen again. I, I think if they're going to make any additions to this starting rotation, it's going to be a signing. And, you know, we hope it's Trevor Bauer, but ultimately it's probably not going to be. But, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see a trade like that for a talent like that uh, from, from the White Sox perspective anyway. I just don't think they have uh, the depth in the organization to withstand something like that, even though you should be going for it. But I, I really just think that they're sort of depleted in that regard unless you can talk someone into, you know, uh, a trade like, you know, how they were able to throw in someone to the Rangers deal, how someone you never even heard of, uh, the, the average fan had never heard of in, until that trade. So unless you can, you know, pump up your guys like that, but unless you have young position player prospects, center field, shortstop type caliber guys. And the White Sox, definitely, they've never had that, and they certainly don't have it now. So, And like you're saying, Tanny, now I'm thinking about the two last championships here for Chicago teams. Only one player was drafted as a pitcher, developed, and was on those championship teams, and that was Mark Burley. Bailey, Mike Bailey. Every single one other the starters of the top five starters for those teams were acquired otherwise. Trades or mostly all trades. So you're looking at John Garland, trade. You're looking at Kyle Hendricks, trade. Kyle Hendricks, you're talking about Arietta, trade. Big Freddy, trade, all of them. That's, just, that's how our teams that are in this town got their starting pitchers um, by trade. It's very hard to develop these guys, as we have seen. We've already released Carlos Rodon. They're picking the draft. Yeah. Developed. Hurt. And Carlos Rodon will probably hit somewhere else. You know what I mean? Because that's just how it goes when you're dealing with top tier pitching talent. You know, like that's just how it goes. Like that's that's the price you pay in baseball. That's just the way it works. That's why I'm. You know, you put so much time and energy. And how 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 many years did we sit here and and wait for Carlos Rodon to come around? And it just never happened. 
That's why you just you, you have the money, you pay for these guys when they hit the open market. Yeah, so trade. I mean, those are the three ways you can get it. But if I had my druthers, it would be drafting them first. Then it would be paying free agency. And then third would be uh, trade. But the White Sox, uh, like if you had the Sophie's Choice, uh, the other uh, positive side of that, I would rather go with the cost certainty and the stability maybe of Trevor Bauer than rather giving up prospects to get Luis Castillo. Yeah, so thank you very much there, Dan and Georgia. We appreciate you checking in. Uh, looks like we're out of time here today for Mailbag Monday. We, we've got a ton to get to tomorrow. Uh Pete Han, he's got an email for us. Sam and Hinsdale, one of our favorites. We got Ryan's email, and of course, our favorite Uncle Pete. And I think we have a late edition of Socks in the City here to get to tomorrow as well. Um, but first, we mentioned a little something here, a little little news, something that will be a part of coming up on this Friday, Herbie. We're we're going to be a part. We've been graciously invited by by the goons over at at, at from the one hundred eight at from the one hundred eight on Twitter. Some of our favorite people. We are going to be participating in 108 Fest, huh? Yeah, we got invited again. They had us out last year for the 108 Sox Fest post show at Reggie's. And it was honestly, if we're looking at 2020 as a whole, probably top five best nights had in 2020. It was just awesome to meet all the people out there and say what's up to people and get drunk a little bit, tell some sock stories out at Reggie's. And since, of course, we can't do it this year, the folks at 108 are just going to invite us out, me, Tanny, a lot of other people. So join us. Virtually. Uh, be- put it out virtually. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a Zoom party, okay? I- so, yeah, Zoom YouTube party. We're all just going to be in a big box and we're talking shit about each other and our jobs and White Sox and enjoying times with each other because there's – like we disagree on most things, but when we come together as a family who all enjoy White Sox baseball, there's nothing better. I've done a couple of these things with the, the 108. The last one was the Festivus thing, which I'm not a big Seinfeld guy, but I understood the concept. It was enjoyable with them. And after my segment was over, I just chilled out and had a good time, drank, drank some beers and listened to the conversation. I think White Sox Dave was there. Uh, Barstool Eddie was there. Everybody was sharing some good stories. Uh, Josh Nelson was drunk and giving <laughs> some snappy answers. It was good to see. Guys from Socks in the Basement were there. It was uh, awesome to see everybody. King Mac, uh, our guy Zoe, Matt Zawaski was there. So it's going to be another fun time. I believe uh, those guys are going to do all the planning and such. I don't know how long I'm going to stay. It's Friday night. We'll see. I might kick it all night. I might get drunk and say some things. So you definitely have to tune in. Yeah, man. And this would be my first 108 Fest. I was not officially part of the Locked on Sox podcast at that point last year when you guys did 108 Fest. But I was in the building that night. It was, it was. was. You're right. It was a top five night of 2020. It's not saying a lot uh, considering it was basically a three-month year <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> but we're, we're already off to a shaky start here. Here's what uh, what the boys had to say. Uh, Cherizi E and uh, and Beef Loaf had to say about uh, you and I on on their podcast uh, from Saturday night. We're also going to have a tandem of Herb and Tanny, you know, from from the score from Locked On Socks. Yep, and so they'll be with us. They'll be they'll be on there. We'll get to have it out with Tanny about his disparaging comments about our high school. Uh, so that so that should be that should be fun. Yeah, there's no question. And we I actually brought it up when we were asking them. And he just laughed it off. 
it's not going to be a fucking laughing matter when we get on the YouTube and we're in front of all of you watching this. We're going to get at him. We're going to get right in on Tanny. And I know he's a producer behind the scenes and we're star talent. So it's unfair. Like we're going to be ganging up on him because we're, we're on air star talent. But I don't care. He, he disparaged our high school and we're going to come at him. Yeah, so I don't know what this what this stems from. I, I'm facing the firing squad here on Friday. Um, I, if I had to speculate here, so every time we have a correspondence with the 108 guys, like you know, they they reference uh, the term meat eaters, and I think this stems from a time where we mentioned them on a podcast like a, a year ago, and you mentioned they these guys they went to De La Salle, a, gr- a great high school among the Catholic league. I'm a Catholic leaguer, went to Gordon Tech. They, you know, you mentioned meteor. And I said, they're all meat eaters. That's a joke, of course, from the Sopranos when they were talking about the dinosaurs were killed by a, a meteor. And then Polly Walnut says, they're all meat eaters. So that's what I was referencing. But I think they uh, they thought I was making some kind of offhand remark about their, their high school, which you, anyone who knows me knows like that would be the oddest uh, hill to die on you know like <laughs> i am not i am not mr high school pride guy you know exactly. uh, <laughs> so i think that we have a misunderstanding here but i'm looking forward to leaning into the awkwardness and i hope they hear this so we can just get right into it because of me having to try to explain my way through it live in front of a youtube audience is not something i'm looking forward to but and i thought uh, Beef Loaf was a big-time uh, Sopranos guy, so that's why that surprises me that uh, that that hey, the, the, maybe the... Beef Loaf's a, a poser. <laughs> Oof. Or, or like me, he's only seen it once. Yeah, that's true. Like, not everyone's seen it like a hundred times, like I have. So you know, uh, we'll we'll get down to the bottom of it. But regardless. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out what type of cocktail or beverage I'm going to have uh, here with me. And uh, we'll, we'll figure out. Is that after uh, January? Or no, that's still in January. Son of a bitch. Are, you, are you doing dry January? I mean, just like on accident. <laughs> well, then who cares? With the, the, the weight loss and such. They yeah, tell you it helps. Yeah. Well, so, so we got to we got to figure out what we're gonna do. Are you gonna are you gonna come over here, come to the crib after work, and we'll just we'll be here together, or they're, they're gonna make fun of us? They're gonna think like that we live together in my basement here. We'll we'll figure out the logistics. I mean, Jim Toby does too. <laughs> He's got to get the fuck out of there. He, he does, and you believe that they're talking about me? I'm just a producer. Like I'm not talent like they are. I've got Jim Tomey living in my basement, okay, doing the intro live every week. He's he's chained up here like the gimp in Pulp Fiction, and, and I take the ball gag out of his mouth, and he does the intro for us every week. So let's be careful. Uh, you throw some spec on my name, would you please, uh, 108 guys? But no, I'm look, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm so gracious that they invited both of us to be a part of it, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, he, they were mentioning Layla is going to be a part of it, Layla Rahimi. It's going to be there as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Uh, that'll be this Friday. Uh, I, I, I forget when our time slot is, but, yeah, just check. Follow them at From the 108 and subscribe there to their podcast now at From the 108, and uh, and you'll get all the details. They did sort of did like their their uh, their their episode preview on Saturday where they talked about 108 Fest and what it is, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Me too. It's going to be awesome times. So, Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on Socks.